Welcome to a special edition of Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, and what you're about to hear is an unreleased episode from the Green and Gold Forever archives. It was recorded just prior to the preseason this past July, and we touch upon some of the off-season issues involving the Packers, most notably Greg Jennings, and we also make our in-depth 2013 regular season predictions, uh, division by division, so you can get an idea on what we think is going to happen in 2013, and uh, what we thought was going to happen well before we even got to see these teams compete in any kind of capacity. So you'll have that uh, to, to kind of hold you over until our next Green and Gold Forever episode, which should be this Saturday, where we'll break down the roster cuts, the uh, final preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and preview this Sunday's matchup uh, week one in San Francisco against the 49ers. Uh, until then, enjoy this episode, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And we are finally returning to Green and Gold Forever. We've had quite the busy summer, uh, Matt most notably. Uh, so we're finally getting close to NFL football, and we thought that would be a great time to bring back Green and Gold Forever. Just a couple of weeks from the Packers' first preseason game. Next week already we have Family Night and the Hall of Fame game. And so we're just going to have a little bit of a preliminary look at the 2013 Packers and some of the other things going on, and including our picks for the 2013 playoffs. So with that, we'll bring Matt in here. And Matt, this is the first time I've seen you since you got married a couple weeks ago, or talked to you, I guess. I'm not seeing you right here, but uh, congratulations on that. And obviously I'm expecting everything's still going well. Yeah, well, it's going great. Thank you very much, sir. Okay. Yeah, I guess two weeks, you know, that that wouldn't be very good if it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going well. Well, so let's get right into it, I guess. And practice just started. A couple of things that I wanted to talk about, I guess, um, having the practice just start. We'll get into the draft picks a little bit. But one of the big things that's making news right now is the Greg Jennings discussion of Aaron Rodgers calling him out, not saying he's a very good leader. And I don't know if you saw some of these most recent comments, but it, it's getting to the point where at first I thought it was kind of them just going back and forth and having kind of an inside joke between them and the other receivers. But now it just seems like I think it's gone beyond that. And honestly, when I saw that headline that says Jennings questions Rogers leadership or whatever, I literally said, just shut up, Greg. It's getting to the point where it uh, sounds a little bit bitter and too much, and I don't know if he's just trying to endear himself to his new f- to his new fan base and teammates, but uh, I think he's gone a little bit too far, and I'd uh, like to know your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you kind of told me the other day that he had said something else, and I didn't hear anything, and I I went and looked at it. But you're right, it started out as seemingly innocent. You kind of had the feeling that they were still probably like texting each other and stuff. They were just kind of... You know, whatever Jennings just trying to hype the rivalry a little bit, but after saying those things, I mean, that's a shot you don't take at somebody in professional sports as saying they're a bad leader. And mm-hmm. obviously, he's you know thinking Rogers is, is completely full of himself and, and can't uh, 
you know, take any self-critique or anything like that. So I, it's definitely gotten past the point of what seemed like a little bit of a friendly rivalry and has now, I think, probably gotten a little personal, especially for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I just got the actual quote here. Don't get me wrong, 12 is a great person, but when you hear all the positives, all positives, all the time, it's hard for you to sit down when one of your teammates says, man, come on, you've got to hold yourself accountable for this. It's hard for someone to see that now because all they've heard is, I'm doing it the right way, I'm perfect. In actuality, we all have flaws. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty... That's a pretty sharp criticism, basically saying, I mean, that's almost putting him in a lot of the criticisms that people have had of Brett Favre. Right, and you could, I mean, you could probably tell something was going on during the season last year, especially towards the end, and and the Niners game at the end when they were sitting down, Driver and Jennings were sitting down next to each other, and Jennings, you know, sold his house right away. You could tell he was ready to move on, and, you know, I think we can all have a suspicion that something might not be as great as we thought all along, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that a lot of it does have to do with him maybe being a little bit bitter. I mean, I think this is a guy who kind of maybe should have looked at himself in this manner. He came into this offseason expecting elite receiver money. He uh, obviously hasn't quite been to the point of a Larry Fitzgerald or a Calvin Johnson. He's not at that level, and he wanted to get paid like that. Um, This is a guy who's never had more than 80 catches. Mm -hmm. He's constantly banged up. And eventually he had to end up signing for $3 million less per year than he was looking for. had to sign with a team that doesn't have a quarterback and that can't pass. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of have a feeling the only reason the Vikings gave him the money they did is because they seem to have some weird fetish with signing ex-Packer players because <laughs> it's pretty much the only small victory they can get over us. So, I, I mean, it's very, very frustrating mm-hmm. to hear him keep saying these things because I like Jennings and mm-hmm. a little less now, obviously, because he just kind of seems like a bitter person. But maybe it's just going to make beating the Vikings twice this year a little bit sweeter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those those are some great points, though, that you brought up. I, I didn't really think about that, where maybe he is just getting to the point where he just wants to make it messy to make himself feel better. Um, and, and one of the things I did hear as one of his justifications for leaving is he did say, well, you know when it's the right time, and he was kind of vague about that, but he's like, there's some guys behind me that have been waiting for a chance to shine for a while, and I'm friends with those guys, so I thought, you know, that would be a, an opportunity, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to me, I mean, saying that is like... That has nothing to do with it. Well, and and two, if that's the case, I don't know if you want to look in the mirror or not, Greg, but certainly Jordy in 2011 and perhaps James Jones and certainly Randall Cobb might have passed you on the depth chart anyways, Mm -hmm. whether you wanted them to or not, whether you were letting them. Right. Yeah, I mean, is it possible going into this year if he had re-signed that I don't think there's any way he could have been number four, is there? But, I mean, he has, I would say he's been the fourth best receiver over the last couple of years almost. Not that he's been bad. But. Yeah, I would say um, I think he's always been better than well. Last year, even James Jones leading the league in catches still only had about 700 yards. Um, yeah. I think I think it's very possible to say Jordy Nelson because Nelson only played 10 games and he still only had like 40 less receiving yards than um, than James Jones did. So right. he when he was there, he was targeted. He gets all the featured deep routes. He gets a lot of the the tough red zone catches. I think they're, he's their preferred guy, and Randall Cobb really became second preferred, I think, through the end of last year. And I think I think he would have been higher than Jones, but I think that yeah. he would have shared the spotlight with the other two guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Randall Cobb, kind of by being that slot receiver, is kind of a textbook n- number three in quotation marks. Sure. But, but yeah. I'm sure he probably is, if not going to get the most targets this year, he's going to be right behind Jordy, so mm-hmm. I I think you're right, I think Jennings might have kind of slid in at that, th- at that three spot in front of uh, James Joe Jones. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, well... <laughs> oh, no, that's that's alright. 
I kind of forgot how to do this, so I think we're going to have a lot of those choking moments uh, throughout this. But Yeah, so I thought we would uh, lead with that Jennings story, and like you said, hopefully we can put it on the Vikings a little bit, and we'll get to this when we talk about the rest of the league, but I think as much as he wants to hype up how great he thinks the Minnesota Vikings are, he has to realize that that offense is as fragile as Adrian Peterson's knee. Yeah, and if he's gone, if he's gone, they've got nothing. I mean, we saw Joe Webb in the playoff game last year. That's not a valid option at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like they went out and got anything. So it's it's not only resting on Adrian Peterson's knees, but it's resting on a, a very shaky quarterback in Christian Ponder. Mm-hmm. And um, he had some bright spots last year. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's not the worst quarterback in the league. But this is a guy. If they lose Peterson, he's not going to be able to carry that offense. And that defense is is old and not very good. So you're right. It, and it's almost shocking at how well they did last year because everything rested on Peterson. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he had one of the best years we've ever seen. And I don't, even if he stays healthy, I don't think that's going to be quite what happens again this year. I don't think he's going to get 2,000 again. No, and the, really, their whole season was beating the Packers on that last yeah. week of the season. I read an article on Yahoo when they were trying to grade young quarterbacks, and it said something like Christian Ponder had his coming out party in Week 17 over the Packers. I'm like, he started for a season and a half. And it took him, what, 20 starts to finally get his coming out party? And that was the last time we've seen him. So now he's a great quarterback because he, he beat up on a defense who feasts in famines every other week. And who had 10 guys in the box because they knew that their <laughs> uh, their running back was going for a record, too. So yeah, exactly. I mean, he had some open guys. Not that our secondary played well, but, I mean, he did have some open guys to hit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he played decent, but uh, I'm, I'm not too worried about Christian Ponder. No, not, nor am I. But let's bring it back to the Packers. I hate to have to give the Vikings so much coverage at the beginning of green and gold forever. It's not purple and gold forever. Um, I don't think anybody has that sentiment anywhere. The Packers are starting training camp this uh, couple uh, Friday. They started training camp. Mike McCarthy, I just uh, heard this number, and I guess I knew it, but it took me aback for a second. This is his eighth season, so he's now been here longer than Mike Holmgren, which is kind of weird (laughs) to think about. Right, but then again, it does seem like forever since Mike Sherman was here too. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, let's go over the draft a little bit because the last show we had was right before that. Um, obviously, you're not going to get the detailed breakdown if you don't know who the picks are by now. You probably don't care about them. Um, the the big thing this week is Daton Jones, uh, the defensive end from UCLA, the number one pick, finally signed. And of course, the other big stories were Eddie Lacy out of Alabama, who I really wanted. Very rarely do I have a guy who I really want the Packers to get, and uh, he was one of them uh, this year. So uh, I was glad to see them get him. And then also the other one that's kind of uh, making some noise early on is uh, Jonathan Franklin, the running back out of UCLA. So definitely a change of focus, at least offensively, uh, for the Green Bay Packers going running back heavy in the draft. Uh, also. Um, getting some offensive linemen, a few defensive linemen, and, uh, of course, filling it out, getting a couple of wide receivers in the seventh round. So is there anybody you're looking for uh, big things from right in 2013, Matt? Oh, man, I, I actually like a lot of these picks. And I think like a lot of Packer fans, we probably don't know any but about three of the players they picked, really, um, coming into the draft. But now training camp coming, we'll get to know them a little bit better. But, I mean, three, four guys that, that I'm really looking forward to, and I guess I won't go too in-depth on each of them right now, but I think everybody's pretty excited about Dayton Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like kind of a steal at the end of the draft here, an electrifying pass rusher. I mean, this is exactly what we need opposite Clay Matthews. Um, I mean, who knows what we're going to get out of Nick Perry this year. So throw him out there, and hopefully he can create some pressure from the other side. I mean, that's an instant mm-hmm. 
you know, benefit on the defense that could really make a big difference right away. And then obviously both running backs. Um, when we did our draft show, we both talked about how we wanted Lacey and, and I think that's exactly the kind of act that they needed. He could just make his own room and kind of run over some guys and still enough speed to break one. And I, you know, and Franklin too, I'm looking forward to that as well. A lot of people had him higher than Lacey. Mm-hmm. At the end of the first round, I was like cheering for Lacey then and we get him, you know, at the end of the second round. So you can't complain with that. And you would have to think they can hit on one of two of those. One of those guys is going to be good, if not both. So. Sure. Um, you know, and then I've, we've heard a lot about Charles Johnson so far and how he's looked. I think he's a little banged up right now, but also looking forward to what he can do, and hopefully that'll maybe slide into that fourth position uh, on the depth chart for the receivers because I don't know who else we really have behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you uh, you picked uh, the, the ones that I was thinking of as well. Obviously, Daton Jones, if he can just become a clone of what Colin Jenkins was in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, this defense will get... Much, much better. That's uh, asking a lot. Well, it's, it is asking a lot. But, I mean, I'm, he's not going to be that in 2013, but if he can eventually be that person, it would be perfect. And maybe a combination of him and Nick Perry uh, together, or if that other position uh, opposite Clay from the linebacker level can contribute, also getting uh, Daton Jones to do the same thing, if that can help, just something on the other side that's consistent, it, it just would be nice. And, I mean, if you really look at the differences in the defenses, and it's not all Colin Jenkins, but that was one of the reasons for the success and how good they were at getting to the quarterback in 2010 that really has been lacking. If Clay doesn't have a big game, um, and, and also you're losing Woodson, so you're going to have to find a, another way to, to get to the quarterback. The running backs are the same way. I think I'm very excited about both of those. And Charles Johnson, I would love to see. Hopefully he gets a chance to play in some preseason games because I think uh, I really want to see what this guy can do. Hearing the measurables on him, you know, being a big, tall kid, super fast, um, I I hope it would be nice to see him play a little bit, and you know the kind of um, lottery hope is, is that he could be like a Randy Moss type equalizer on that offense. Obviously, nobody's expecting him to be that good. Moss, regardless of what anybody thinks of him, has to be one of the best wide receivers of all time. Um, but hopefully, he can be some kind of big-bodied person that's sort of like Jordy Nelson that can make matchup problems, and then you can have a whole bunch of different dynamics with that wide receiving core, a bunch of different sizes and guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think he might be a little bit limited, Charles Johnson, but, mm-hmm. I mean, if he can hit one home run a game, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he's a speedster, he's only 6'2", but he's a deep threat. We'll see how he translates to uh, having a lot bigger cornerbacks than he was used to facing at Grand Valley State. Sure. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, he's going to be raw and he's going to be a work in progress, but like I said, if he can get up the seam one time a game and get open, and give Rodgers a chance to hit him for a touchdown. I'm, that's going to be a huge, um, a huge steal at the end of the seventh round. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if he makes the team, that's a pretty good value yeah, out of your true. seventh yeah, rounders. Yeah, a lot of seventh rounders don't even make the team. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if so, who, who do you think is going to be a four and five on the depth chart at receiver then? Uh, well, obviously, I would say your one, two, three is going to be Jordy, James Jones, and then, like you said, Cobb is probably going to be your number one target on a lot of things, but he's going to play that quote-unquote three spot. Um, I I think Boykin will probably still be there. I, I mean, they used him over Donald Driver, so there has to be something they like in him. Um, who's that kick return guy? That um, 
that fumbled oh, in the playoff game. Jer- oh, Jeremy Ross. Oh, yeah, Jeremy Ross. So I guess I don't know if he's going to be on the team or not. I, I guess we'll see. The thing is they want to take Randall Cobb off of punt returns, so they might have to keep him. I don't know if any of these other guys, like that Kevin Dorsey, I don't know if he has anything, or any of these uh, defensive backs that they signed might have a chance, or even Jonathan Franklin perhaps. Does, I think right. he might have done some kick return things. So I guess I don't know. I think I, w- I would hope it would be one of these guys. You know Ted Thompson will have two other guys we've never heard of or never even heard of the college they went to that'll be in camp. Um, but I guess it's possible, depending on what they do at the tight end position, they always are talking about Ryan Taylor and DJ Williams, how they want them to take off. Maybe Jermichael Finley becomes your fourth wide receiver yeah. a lot of times. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and there's probably going to be some guy that we have, we've never heard of who ends up making the team at receiver too, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like a lot of guys kind of in the same position, unproven, and uh, I don't know. I just I just heard something today that Donald Driver wants to come back potentially. That's what James Jones is saying. So do you think there's any chance that he comes back? Uh, well, I've heard him say throughout this whole thing that he would only come back if the Packers wanted him or needed him. Um, I think if there's injuries, I think they'll reach out and get him. But I don't know. He had eight catches last yeah. year, and he really didn't even hardly play after the second half of the season, so I, I, I would say no. I mean, as much as we really like Donald Driver and there would be times when he still looked like he had a step and whatnot, the fact that he only had eight catches tells me that they don't think he can get open anymore. So I hope not. I, I yeah, hope he just stays and I, I mean, obviously, I, I'm still hoping they do, but they're... You know, the coaches see something if he's only getting eight catches in a year. They're not just, as much as I, you know, was sentimental and got mad at the end of the year at the way they handled it, obviously they're not keeping a guy on the bench, you know, that could be a starter still. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going somewhere else and playing. I know he wants to be a Packer for life, but if he wants to play that bad, and that's from the sounds of it what the case is, mm-hmm. then I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere, but I can't imagine the Packers bring him back with still having the guys last year they were playing over him and then having a few more young guys too this year. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine he's got a place. Yeah, and I guess for him he should do whatever he wants to do. If he gets a chance with another team and he wants to take it as much just as it would be. Just not Minnesota. Me. Yeah, just not, don't go to Minnesota and just don't be a douchebag about it. That's the reason people hated Brett Favre. It's not right. because he left. It's because of the manner in which he left. And... Um, with all due respect to Donald Driver, it hurt more with Favre because he essentially, I mean, he is arguably the best player in franchise history, certainly top five. As awesome as Donald Driver is, he's certainly probably the fourth best wide receiver that the team's ever had. Uh, people would forgive him pretty fast in the same way that uh, guys like Edgar Bennett and um, uh, he was better than those guys, but some of your, your main guys from that uh, 96 Super Bowl team were brought back regardless of what they did after the fact. I mean... Chamura played a there was in camp with New Orleans and you had stuff like that so right yeah and I I want to cheer for these guys after they leave but they make it so damn hard <laughs> if he I will be happy to cheer for Donald Donald Driver if he goes to the Jets or you know goes somewhere where he's you know we don't have to play him and even if we do play him it's you know he keeps his mouth shut and just mm-hmm. does it the right way and doesn't go to a division rival I don't care and I'll yeah. I'll probably watch his games and cheer for him and hope he gets a ton of passes thrown his way but just do it the right way and mm-hmm. and I I have no problem with that but it seems like we always say that we mm-hmm. said it before Jennings left and then obviously that was handled the wrong way too so mm-hmm. well go ask Edgar Bennett your old wide receivers coach what he did cuz he played two seasons with the Bears mm-hmm. and nobody cares <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it probably helped that it was Juan Stats Bears and you know they had to scratch and claw and do whatever they could to win four games a year so mm-hmm. 
But whatever. So that's kind of the look at the draft a little bit. Very kind of disorganized podcast a little bit, but we're trying to remember how to do this, and it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, better this way. It is better this way. Just a couple of guys talking football. All right, so let's. I thought we could have an opportunity here to to make a couple of bold predictions for the Packers this season. I know that I'm kind of throwing this on you, but uh, yeah. just a couple of things that you might think will happen this year. And I guess I will start. Okay. I sure hope I'm wrong, but my bold prediction for 2013 is that Aaron Rodgers will not play all 16 games. And I just think it has to do with this shakeup in the offensive line. I know they say we got our best offensive lineman on the left side now instead of the right side with Bulaga and Sitton over there protecting his blind side. But, of course, there was tons of pass rush coming from the right side last season, too. Yeah, so there was plenty. Yeah, and I, I put together a little stat that I kind of thought up. And I wanted to know how many times Aaron Rodgers... You have quarterback hits, which you can track, and the Packers allowed the fifth most quarterback hits last year. But also, I wanted to know, since Aaron Rodgers has been around since 2008, kind of, I, I don't know what to call it, a, a tackle index or something. How many times has he been brought to the ground with the football in his hands? And so I combined sacks and rushing attempts. And Aaron Rodgers has 494 combined sacks and rushing attempts uh, in his career since 2008. And that is number one in the NFL, and it's more than 120 more than the next closest guy, wow. uh, which is Joe Flacco, who uh, has 92 fewer rush attempts and has been sacked uh, 28 fewer times. Uh, so I just think that hopefully the running game can alleviate that. You won't get hit quite as much, but I just think you're, you're kind of playing with fire a little bit, and that's the way he likes to play. And just the fact that he holds the ball so long, and a lot of times it, it does help, but I just think one of these times, you're getting hit, you know, a hundred times a season, or eighty times a season, getting sacked thirty times, and rushing the ball another forty times, eventually something could go wrong. And I think we've been lucky the last couple of years that he's been able to take some of these shots that he has. I'm not saying he's going to be out for the year or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had to miss a game or two. Okay. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bold prediction, but I, I definitely would not be surprised. I mean, this, the guy gets hit all the time. The offensive line is bad, and we can't run. So, I mean, for him to stay healthy as much as he has so far has been an absolute miracle. I mean, he, we're lucky we, he's a tough guy back there because otherwise we'd, you know, he'd be missing half the season with all the shots he takes. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised either if that happened. Um, yeah, like you said, you're throwing this on me here, but I'm gonna <laughs> try to think real quick. I'm gonna sure. say that I think the Packers will have a thousand yard rusher here. Oh. Um, this season. I think it's going to be Eddie Lacy. Okay. I think once he starts getting enough carries, I think we're going to see what he can do. And he just kind of makes me think of, you know, like that Marshawn Lynch type of a guy that you're just going to hand it to in the red zone. Rodgers' stats might not be as, you know, as, as gaudy as they have been in the past here, but if we can take some of that pressure off him. And I think Lacy, like I said, the offensive line isn't that good, but he can make some of his own space. Uh, he's a powerful guy. So I, I think that he'll end up getting enough carries once he proves himself. And I think that he will get over a thousand yards. I think Franklin's role is going to be a little bit less in the offense, um, and I think Lacey's going to run for a thousand yards, probably just over. But I think mm-hmm. he'll get to that point. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good one. And I I think we'll see. Obviously, it's really early. We'll see kind of how the running backs match up in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And I know they want they're talking running back by committee and things like that. But I think if somebody kind of cements themselves. They'll run with that guy, um, yeah. no pun intended, I guess. If you've looked at him in the past, they 
they say running back by committee because you'll have guys who have a five-yard average, and then the next two weeks they'll have a two-yard average, so they try somebody else. It's not like they want to use everybody. It's just they have to because guys haven't been consistently effective. But then you see James Starks in 2010, or you see Dewan Harris at the second half of last year. If a guy gets going, they'll stick mm-hmm. with him. And so I think you're right that if they do have a new commitment to running the football, especially if they want to keep Aaron healthy or if they're kind of thin at wide receiver trying to figure that out, or just for the mere fact that they find out they can run <laughs> with one of these yeah. guys, that uh, I think they will run with him. Yeah, and I I think that the reason why I don't think Franklin I think Franklin will be a good back, but I just don't think at this point with how bad our offensive line is, I just don't think he can make himself um, quite as effective. Where I I think Lacey can, and like you said, I think he'll be able to prove himself, and that's kind of why I'm picking him. Who knows? Maybe he won't even win the starting job coming out of camp. But yeah, um, you know, I I just think with with our current situation, he's our best option. Sure. So there's a couple bold predictions, one from each of us, going on into uh, this 2013 season as we talk Packers. Um, just real quick, I, I saw this written down on my sheet here. Aaron Rodgers, going back to whether or not he gets hurt, and I don't know what this is comparatively to other teams, and I'm sure it's just as high, but uh, of the Packers' points in 2012, Aaron Rodgers was responsible for 67% of them, either by running or passing, um, and I don't think that's including extra points either, so... That's kind yeah, of, I'd imagine that's probably uh, pretty close to the top of the league. You could think maybe Washington, Carolina, you know, teams that have more mobile quarterbacks would probably be up there too, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was number one. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't either. Uh, but, yeah, very interesting. So let's go on to the, the rest of the league here. Certainly we can start with our expectations of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, something that I kind of wanted to talk about here. The Packers last year, we talked about how easy their schedule was, and so I wanted to check that out, and uh, coming into this next season, the Packers have the sixth hardest schedule, um, but I w- looked at last year's schedule, and I wanted to see how they stacked up there as well, and what I did is I did strength of schedule, but I took out the games involving the team, so, uh, for instance, the Packers, uh, you take out the games that the Packers played because otherwise, you know, it, their actual strength of schedule is, are, they almost hurt themselves because they gave Detroit and the Bears four losses that count as losses. It means that they stink. Well, in actuality, instead of the, counting the Bears as 10 and 6, you say the Bears were 10 and 4 against the rest of the NFL, mm-hmm. which kind of gives you a more, a better reflection of how good the teams were you played. So you don't get punished for beating them or rewarded for losing to them. Um, after looking at that, the Packers actually had the fifth toughest schedule last year, probably because we had two 10-win teams in our own division. Uh, the hardest schedule was the St. Louis Rams, then the Cardinals, Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings, then the Packers. The easiest schedule by far last year was the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, second uh, easiest, Cincinnati, and then uh, Indy was fifth easiest. Sandwiched in between that was San Diego and Oakland. So how pathetic were those teams that they couldn't even win having two of the easiest schedules in the whole NFL? Yeah, yeah. I, I wish we had a soundbite from last year when we were doing our predictions when I said I thought the Falcons had an extremely easy schedule and that they'd have go 12-4. and four, But Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. We also have a soundbite of you picking the Cleveland Browns to win the Super Bowl. But. That's true. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, I, looking at the Packers' schedule this year, I... I think it's very similar to the one last year, too. Mm-hmm. And I, we thought it was easy coming into the year, but obviously teams like Seattle, we didn't think were going to be any good. We didn't know San Francisco would be you know, quite as tough as they ended up being. I mean, mm-hmm. 
that might not be the best example, but obviously things don't always pan out how they look on the schedule going into the regular season. So, mm-hmm. again, a, a very tough schedule to start here, but when you kind of go down the list, you you got to think of, are the Packers better than these teams? And I still think they are better than most of the teams they're facing. So mm-hmm. they're not going to be favorites in every game like they would be two years ago, but you know, I still think that they've got a realistic chance at having a pretty darn good record again. Yeah, and I think the the thing that worries me a little bit more about this year than last year is that last year you had a schedule that was very comparable to this year's schedule as far as the overall strength of it. But last year you had you played teams like Houston and you Jackson. played teams like Indy and you played teams like the ten win teams in our division. So you played a lot of these kind of double digit win teams, but then in the weeks between, you played some horrible teams, like, yeah. the, and so it kind of balances each other out. Whereas this year, it looks the same when you look at the overall win-loss record of your 16 opponents. But you get a, a lot instead of getting a Detroit offset by a Houston Texans, you get Dallas and Pittsburgh, which are two about 500 teams from last year or were 500 teams last year, but certainly uh, instead of saying, well, we're definitely going to win this one and perhaps lose this one like you would last year, you have a scenario where it's the same win-loss record between the two teams, but you could lose both of them conceivably. And yeah, I think and that's the, the harder part. Yeah, there's really no cupcakes on the whole schedule. I mean, we're not fortunate enough to get any really bad teams. You could maybe say Cleveland, but they even played good down the stretch last mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, we don't have the Jacksonvilles this year that we can, or even Tennessee, you know, that we can look onto the schedule and say, hey, there's probably a win. Mm-hmm. There's really no really bad teams. Philly had a bad record last year, and Cleveland did, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Detroit's always going to be tough regardless of what their record was last year. Sure. So I, you're right. There's really no break in between any of these games. We're going to be challenged every single week. Well, and, and which might make them better if they get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. So I guess um, we can go right into our picks for the playoffs, which we wanted to put together today here. So we always, probably going back as long as I can remember, made our super pre- premature picks for who we thought was going to win in the NFL and uh, carried them through the season. Obviously, we can revise them a little bit, but I think, gosh, for is, it's got to be at least a decade that we've always gotten together and made our our picks for the whole season. <laughs> yeah. But today we're just doing playoffs. We're not doing team by team. Perhaps we'll do that in a few uh, weeks uh, before the season starts. Let's uh, save the drama, I guess, for our thoughts on the Packers, and let's start with the AFC. Let's go our division winners from the bottom up, and then we'll go with our wild card team. So who do you think is going to be the fourth best division winner in the AFC? Alrighty, and this one kind of surprised myself a little bit too. I was looking at schedules today, and I did not intend to even have this team making the playoffs, but I have the Pittsburgh Steelers... Um, winning their division and being the fourth best record out of the division winners. So okay. I I have them finishing around 11 and five, and I think they have a pretty easy schedule if you look at it. Um, I I think they've got a chance to win that division over Baltimore this year. So I guess they would be my number four overall seed in the AFC. Okay, well that uh, kind of works nicely because I'm in the same division for my number four seed. This I know is going to come back to haunt me because every time I doubted this team, they kept winning, and now I'm going to actually say something nice about them, and they're going to <laughs> go three and thirteen. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win the division this year uh, for the simple fact that they got some nice pickups on defense. Uh, their defense is on the upswing as opposed to Baltimore and Pittsburgh's, who's kind of on the downswing. Yep. I, I think that offense can still get better. I think Baltimore is going to have trouble winning games because I don't think their defense is going to be very good. I don't expect Joe Flacco to be playoff Joe Flacco ever again, perhaps. 
Um, so I think they're going to struggle. And I think Pittsburgh last year, they were like 22nd in scoring. They've been going down and down and down as far as their offensive output. They don't have a clear-cut running back anymore. They lost Mike Wallace. Ben Roethlisberger seemingly can't play even 14 games anymore, mm-hmm. much less all 16 games. So I think that this is the year to Cincinnati's going to win it. They might even win it with a 9-7 and record. It's going to be a dogfight the whole way. Um, and I guess to say a bold prediction that I could have uh, perhaps uh, used before, if Cleveland is ever going to make a push, this is going to be the year they, they can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. Cincinnati's going to win. Yeah, you're right. That division's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if anybody won it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I'm not comfortable with the Steelers pick, and you're right, their defense is worse. I guess the reason why I picked them instead of the other teams is just because Roethlisberger, and I have a lot more confidence in him than either Andy Dalton or Joe Flacco or Brandon Whedon, obviously. So <laughs> yeah. I guess if I'm going to have a have a decision maker, I guess it's going to be the quarterback, and I, I guess I'd take Ben Roethlisberger there. Well, and, and, and I considered that one for a long time. If you're in a situation where it's going to be close and you're not going to have very maybe perhaps dominant teams, it never hurts to go with the proven winner, and I think Pittsburgh has more of that nucleus remaining than Baltimore does. So you might have a point there. Alrighty, uh, my number three seed here. Um, I know a lot of te- people are picking this team to go like fourteen and two, thirteen and three, but I've got Denver at the third spot okay. um, in their division. I just think you know Payton's getting older. Who says he's going to play the whole year? Um, they've got some good young receivers around him, but I I don't think they're quite as good as everybody thinks they are. Um, so I, I think they've got a little bit of a tougher division this year. I think Kansas City's going to be a little bit better. I don't think they have Ooh, six three wins, wins, perhaps, huh? For, What's that? I said perhaps three wins for Kansas City yeah, this year. We always disagree on the Chiefs, and you definitely <laughs> won that battle last year. But, yeah. but, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's a, but, yeah, I think I think Denver here with the third-best re- record in the AFC. Okay, um, yeah, and that's a real good uh, possibility. You made some good points. My number three is actually going to be the New England Patriots. Um, I think they're going to take a step back, obviously, with the most disastrous offseason any team's had in recent memory, um, just with one player causing it. Um, certain, well, I guess the Saints last year might beg to differ a little bit. But anyways, I think New England's going to regress a little bit this year. You would think that it never seems to happen, but you would think Brady and Manning are eventually going to have a year where they're just not Brady and Manning. I mean, yeah. Tom Brady's going to be 30, or is 35. I think he might be 36 by the time the season starts. So I think uh, with... A big shakeup. He's not going to have his two of his best targets. Who knows? With Rob Gronkowski, he'll probably fall off a stripper's pole during training camp. So <laughs> he might. You never know what you're going to get out of him. Danny Amendola. Uh, we'll see what he does there. That's who they got, right? Yep. Okay. So I, I guess I, I almost want to say that somebody else can take the division from him, but the rest of that division is so bad that I can't put my confidence in any of them. So I think New England wins this division almost by default. Yep, and that's why I actually have them at my number two spot. I'll, I'll go ahead with that here nice because segue. I think that division is so bad. Yeah. Um, I don't think they lose a game in the division. The Jets are probably the worst team in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for some reason, I've heard a lot of people picking Miami as a possible wild card team. I'm sorry to offend you if you do have them no, there. No, no, I, I, I completely <laughs> do not buy into that either. Yeah, I, I don't have them there, and I think Buffalo is still, I mean, who's their starting quarterback now? Do they have Kevin Cobb? Kevin I think. Cobb is going to be the starter. They have um, EJ Manuel from... Right from uh, Florida State, who they'll probably try to get in there if they stink again. Yeah, and that team's really bad, too. So I think that's six easy wins for them. So, I mean, even if they can just split the rest of their games, which they'll probably easily do because they're still a pretty darn good team, mm-hmm. um, I still I think they can finish with a really good record. So I, I have them at the two spot here. Yeah, that's 11 wins <laughs> if they just split the right. rest of their games. Yep. Uh, for the two seed, I actually have the Houston Texans. I think 
Houston is still going to hold on to that division. I don't necessarily think that Indianapolis is going to be the same that they were last year, although they have a pretty easy schedule. Um, Tennessee is still a few years away. Jacksonville stinks. I hope Jacksonville stinks forever so they never have any national TV games and I don't have to see those god-awful uniforms that they invented. Uh, so I think Houston is going to win this division pretty easily, similar to the way you said New England is going to win theirs. I don't see Houston losing more than one game in that division. And then the rest of the way, um, I think they can kind of... Uh, I think they're good enough. They play enough home games. They play the NFC uh, East, I believe. And so they can uh, win there. Yeah, and with those Jaguars unis, I think you're right. I mean, I, I hope they lose forever and are never on TV. But I even more so, I hope they just move and get it over with. <laughs> change the logo and change the name. I mean, these are the worst jerseys that I think... In, in professional sports, I would say, but definitely in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just dis- disgusting. I mean, they made their cat look way more friendly <laughs> than he was before. And uh, the two-tone helmets never work for anybody, so it, yeah, just disgusting. So, anyways. They um, look like a team that would be on that. Remember that Blitz the League game that came out after oh, yeah. EA or yeah EA took the Madden license and they wanted to make a game where you could shoot steroids and do prostitutes and stuff? I don't even think they would use those uniforms in that game. Yeah, those aren't even worthy of any given Sunday. No. They had the team with the big, like, old Canucks B on their jerseys and stuff. And, <laughs> but, but yeah, to go on top of that, I have the Texans here at my, my best record just because I think their division's just as bad as the East is. Um, I think they're going to beat up on their division, and I, I think that this is probably the best team in the AFC. I think there's a lot of teams in the NFC that are better than any of the AFC's best. But um, I think they can beat up on everybody, and I think sure. they're the most well-rounded. I'm still not 100% sold in Schaub, but then you still have Tate and Arian Foster and J.J. Watt in a pretty well-rounded defense. So, sure. I, and not to mention Andre Johnson if he's healthy. So mm-hmm. I think this is uh, the best team in the AFC with an easy division, so I'll uh, pick them to get the, e- the best record in the AFC. Okay, um, and I just checked to the... AFC South actually plays the NFC West, so they do have a couple of tough games with Seattle and uh, San Francisco. But luckily for them, they play Seattle at home, which is certainly yep. the the easy or the tougher road trip is Seattle than San Francisco and Arizona. And the Rams are pretty hapless every year, so they got a chance with that. My number one team is the Oakland Raiders with Matt. No, um, uh, it's uh, the Denver Broncos. I their schedule is so easy this year, almost like you said with the Atlanta Falcons last year. They just basically have to hold on and try to split with those other AFC division winners when they play Houston and New England. The rest of their schedule is so easy. They are the ones who I was thinking of who had the easy schedule. They play the NFC East, so they also have the the horrible division. They play the AFC South, so they get Jacksonville and they get Tennessee. Uh, They get the Chargers and Raiders and Chiefs twice. So really the only time they're going to be tested is when they play the other three AFC division winners, which are Baltimore and Houston and New England. The rest of their schedule, they should win all the rest of their games. So if they don't go at least 12-4, and I would be shocked. But I I think... Uh, 13 and 3 is a possibility. 14 and 2, even 15 and 1 is a possibility for this team. They actually, uh, the the only tough games they really have are the New England Patriots um, and then at Houston. But I think at Houston is possible. They get New England before Thanksgiving, so maybe it won't be too brutal there. Um, and then Baltimore, they get at home week one. So I don't see how this team doesn't at least win 12 games. I don't know, Eric. I mean, they still play the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I know you kind of rid off that division before with what you said, but yeah. it seems like these NFC teams always beat the AFC teams. I mean, the Patriots lost a, you know, a Arizona. bunch of the <laughs> NFC. Yeah, Arizona, a bunch of bad NFC teams last year, and they lost to Seattle. And um, 
but you know, I think that um, I don't think this team is as good as everybody thinks they are, and I'm probably going to be wrong. But they can't run; they, their secondary stinks, and you know, everything is just dangling on Peyton Manning's health. And I just, I, I'd be concerned about your record pick there. Is all I'm saying. Okay. Well, <laughs> and it's certain. It's certainly possible. That I am going off the the past so far that they've only played twice, and it was with a much more dynamic uh, set of teammates for Peyton, but he owns Eli in their two matchups they've had so far. They crushed him last time they played. And uh, they play in week two, so I'm actually looking forward to that. And Philadelphia, Washington, not sold. We'll get to that in a minute. But All right. Okay, uh, who is your number one wildcard team for the AFC? All right, so my five seed then would be um, the Kansas City Chiefs. And <laughs> this is where we're going to oh differ big God. time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> But I really think that this team is going to be good this year. And I I didn't think they were a playoff team last year, but I thought they'd be a lot better. But they just had nothing at quarterback. And I think Alex Smith, while he's not an elite quarterback, he's enough. I think Jamal Charles is one of the best running backs in the league, and he's finally going to get some pressure taken off him. And their defense is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got some good receivers. I, I think this team is good, and I think it's a diamond in the rough, and they're probably going to end up going 4-12. and 12, <laughs> And I always think the Chiefs are going to be better than they end up being. But uh, I just have a feeling this is the year, Eric, and I think they're going to have a pretty darn good record this year. They can beat up on Oakland and San Diego, and I I think the AFC is just pretty weak overall, and I think they have a chance this year to sneak in at a wild card. They're going to beat up on Oakland and San Diego. Oakland and San Diego are sitting there being like, I can't wait till that Chiefs week. We might have a chance to win. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess I'll comment real quick on that before I share mine. Uh, we could see it. Alex Smith is the key, obviously. Um I think his one really good year as a game manager in 2011 made people forget that he was a pretty lousy quarterback for the previous six years that he was in San Francisco. He never had to come from behind. He never had to really even throw the ball downfield. He just had to make sure that he could move the chains. I think that if he has to come from behind, if he's asked to... And and Andy Reid at times has a... I mean, they're still the West Coast offense. They don't really take it downfield as much as maybe McCarthy does, but... I I don't know if he's going to... He might be a fit for that offense, but he's never really been asked to carry a team. I know he's got Jamal Charles, but their team is not good enough for him to not be in a position like he was in San Francisco where just don't make any mistakes and make some plays on third and long. They're going to need him more than that, and I don't know if he's up to it. But if he is, you could be right, because the AFC stinks. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, I've always kind of felt about Alex Smith how I feel about the Chiefs. Like, I feel like I always just see something there. Like, there's something that tells me it's just going to be good. And then, you know, a lot of times it's not. But I, I just feel like this is the perfect match for each other here. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's stupid, but I think they're going to be pretty good. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, I do like their uniforms, so I'd like to see yes. them in the playoffs. Great uniforms. I actually have number five as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know I kind of tore into them a little bit before, but it's more a reflection of I don't think the AFC is very good, and am I going to put Buffalo or the Jets or the Titans in the playoffs? No. So I think that these wildcard teams in the AFC could have eight and eight records, and so I think uh, Pittsburgh is going to win more of their tough games than some of these other teams are, and everybody in the AFC has got winnable games against crappy teams. I mean, they're in a league of their own right now. They're like the MAC conference, and they'll probably win the Super Bowl again because their top-heavy teams are still good, but the rest of the underbelly of that conference is horrible. And so I think Pittsburgh will steal a few games against good opponents. They'll win most of their games against bad ones, and they'll get the number five seat. Alrighty, and then uh, for my six, then I I have Baltimore getting in here at nine and seven as my six. I have um I kind of figured Colts, Bengals, Ravens are probably all going to be right around there with each other, maybe mm-hmm. 
all tied at nine and seven. So I guess it's kind of arbitrary, and I don't know who would actually have the tiebreaker, but I think <laughs> they might just slightly be the better of those three teams. So I will, uh, I'll have the defending Super Bowl champs just barely making the playoffs. Okay, um, I definitely considered them. I talked about them a little bit before. I actually have the Indianapolis Colts making it. Uh, I think it'll be nine and seven tops for them this year. Uh, once again, their division's horrible. Uh, they play some other games against AFC teams that are also horrible. So I think they'll uh, they'll be able to maybe steal a couple from some of the better teams. But uh, I, I think I guess the same way as you, if if they can lose the tiebreaker to Baltimore, uh, I already have Cincinnati in. Uh, so I guess I'll take the Colts. And do we want to say just kind of a caveat to a, a get out of jail card here? Do you have a surprise team that we should look for that they wouldn't surprise you if they made the playoffs? Now I know you already had the Chiefs as a five seed, but do you have another one perhaps? I already went on a limb and put mine in the playoffs, so <laughs> okay. um, I guess that would be mine. I, I think that's, that's a pretty fine. shocking pick. So I guess I, I'll maybe take the cheap way out and just stick with the Chiefs there. Okay, and I guess uh, I sort of said mine too, but I guess I'll reiterate it. If there's ever a chance that Cleveland's going to win this division in the foreseeable future, it's this year. And I guess the other one I will say is that given the talent level they had, I know they lost some defensive guys, uh, I still think that more so than the Chiefs, if there's going to be a surprise team out of that lousy AFC West, I would I would say San Diego would where I'd put my money there. Yeah, I guess I've just completely written them off. <laughs> Phillip yeah. Rivers looked so bad last year. Their defense is terrible, and they lost Sean Phillips. And yeah. it's like, what else do they have? It seems like they don't have anybody but Philip Rivers left. They've just let everybody walk. Do they still have Nate Cading? Maybe kick about a hundred field goals. There you go. Yeah, I think uh, I think Nate Cading, Philip Rivers, and um, I forget the do Eric they still Weddle. Have, do they still? Have, oh, Eric Weddle. Do they still have Gates? Uh, yeah, but he didn't do anything last year. He's old and crippled, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not for his case, sake. I'm better. I, I picked him high in our draft last year because I thought he was going to have a breakout year because everybody was telling me that, and then he was just terrible. <laughs> so he deserves to be crippled for that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's our AFC picks. Uh, let's go over to the NFC, starting with your fourth best division winner. All righty. My fourth team is actually going to be division winner San Francisco 49ers. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't think this team is going to be quite as good. I, I don't think Kaepernick will be quite as magical as he was on that playoff run. And also that division is just tough. I think mm-hmm. St. Louis is getting better. I think Arizona might be slightly getting better. They're still probably going to be the team that gets beat up on. But mm-hmm. and, and Seattle's right there with San Francisco. So mm-hmm. while I think San Francisco might even be the best team in the NFC potentially, um, I think they just got a very tough schedule. And I... I think they might take a small step back. So okay. they're my uh, obviously still a very good team and maybe better than any of the teams in the AFC, but they'll be my fourth in the NFC. Okay. Not surprisingly, I have them elsewhere in my NFC mm-hmm. playoffs, so I guess I will save my commentary on the Niners until that point. My number four team in the NFC is the champions of the North Division the Green Bay Packers, I think, will be the four seed this year. That schedule is just so tough. I think if you look at it, I think the Packers will probably just, they always do, I think they'll probably win about seven of their home games, maybe even all of them. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of that schedule is just very, very tough. So I think that they are going to, and they might even lose more than than one at home. So I think if they, they, they could lose like they did in 2010, where this feels like a 2010 kind of year as far as the, the schedule is concerned. I think they could lose five games on the road, possibly. They might lose another one at home. So I think that 
right around that 10 and 6 range is kind of what I expect for the Packers, especially with some of the things we don't know about them. So I'll say 10 and 6. That division's going to be hard, but I don't see any of the other challengers really being a. They're all kind of rebuilding. I don't think Minnesota's for real. I think Chicago's got to wait a little bit, and Detroit's got a really tough schedule. And I mean, Matt Stafford needed 700 pass attempts to get to. 4,000 yards last yeah. year. I mean, so I don't think they're that good either. So I'll take the Packers at 10-6. and six. Okay. And um, I guess I'll, I'll save my commentary on them because they'll be a little bit later for me. But my three um, is going to be the, the New York Giants. Okay. And I actually have them, not to spoil the rest of it, but I have them as the only team making it out of that division. I, I think it's they're all pretty close to being even, but I think New York's still the best team in there. And I have them at 10-6, somewhere around there. I think that they can win a lot of division games, and I I still, I don't know what it is about them, but they still scare me as a contender, and for whatever reason, I seem to just keep putting them at the top of the NFC, and they, they always seem to find a way to make a run, so I don't know. I, I think the Giants uh, here at three, I, I had waffled on this one for a while too, but I didn't really see any of the other teams in that division taking it. Sure. Um, I actually don't have the Giants in the playoffs. I wow. took me a long time to decide what to do. I think they'll and be that right. That would be surprising either. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think they'll be right at what they've been the last two years, about nine and seven. So if they are nine and seven, I hope the rest of the NFL wins some more games towards the end of the year. Because if they get in, they they can win the Super Bowl. They've yeah. shown it twice. It's annoying. I'm tired of that story. Um, so I, I hope that if the Giants are going to make it to the playoffs and do something, please at least just win eleven games so yeah. I can get some sleep during the playoffs. Uh, but I don't have them in. Uh, they could make it, uh, but I think they'll be right around what you said, right around that 10, anywhere from 8 to 10 wins. They'll win somewhere in there, and we'll see where the chips fall, but I don't think they're going to make it. My number three seed, or I, I guess, yeah, you just did the number three, correct? Yep. Oh, yeah, you have, so you have the Giants at three, and then four is the Niners. Yep. My number three seed, because I'm an idiot, but for some reason when I was looking at the schedule, I decided to go with this. Tied with the same record as the Packers, but I think they might beat the Packers since they host them. Number three I have as the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Um, I just think that as much as people want to harp on Romo, he's been very good. I think they're going to, one of these years, that defense isn't going to be horrible. They have some, I, I know we always make fun of this, but they have, they have a real talented team. Um, I think that one of these years they'll be able to put it together. Their schedule looked pretty uh, pretty doable for them. They have a lot of their toughest games at home. So I think that it's possible that they can uh, win this division. It's going to be real close again. But uh, for some reason I, I had a feeling that they could beat the Packers. And since they had some of those games like Denver they have at home, they have the Vikings at home, um, their road games are very easy. Uh, the toughest road game they have is the Bears uh, outside of the division. So I think the, that Dallas might be able to get 10 wins and get that three seed. Okay. And, yeah, a lot like the commentary that you had on the Giants for me is I kind of feel the same way about the Cowboys. Is I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won the division, and I think they are a pretty well-balanced team. And I think you're you're right about Romo. I think everybody rips on him, but he's been pretty good. And last year he carried them. Yes. Um, but at the same token, they lose a lot of bad games, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're going to win some good games, and they're going to probably you know, be around 500 in their division probably, but they're going to lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. Sure. And that always seems to be what kind of gets them into trouble. So I have them missing out, although I, I do agree with you about Romo a little bit. But Yeah, I'm not um, too sold on that. So we'll Yeah, see. yeah. All right, so my two, and that's where I have the Green Bay Packers at. And I, I, I agree with you. I think they're, they're, uh, their schedule is very tough, but... I'm thinking I'm, I'm at least hoping they made some good steps in the draft here that are going to immediately impact this team, fill in some holes that we desperately needed to fill. Um, 
and it's it's probably just blind optimism like I usually have with the Packers, <laughs> but I think that they can win 11 games this year. It seems like a lot of teams around them have taken step forwards, and they really haven't, but I think they're still in that elite, you know, top two or three in the mm-hmm. NFC, so I have them with the second-best record, mainly because I think they'll win all six of their division games. Okay. Uh, did you say, um, I might have missed it, but did, did you say what you thought their overall record was going to be? I th- I'm thinking 11-5. and five. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. They, they definitely could do that, and... Um, the the big thing is home. If they can go eight and zero at home, I mean, really, you, you you split the rest of them and you have a hell of a season. And and they yeah. really have most of their winnable games at home. Uh, and they got some tough road games, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if they do better than I think they are doing. They'll do. My number two seed. Uh, it took me a while to to think of this one. Is the Atlanta Falcons actually? Um, I, I still think they're going to hold off New Orleans. They have a m- middle-of-the-road schedule. They seem to always... I know they lost... I think they only went 3-3 three and three in the division last year, but I think they always seem to play pretty well against the non-New Orleans teams. Uh, they have... I don't know. It's just something about that team. They seem to win a lot, and I, I think the NFL, the NFC is so good this year that there are going to be a lot of lower records, and so I think they're all going to beat up on each other. So I think... Atlanta could get the two seed, even possibly with a 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five record, but I still think Atlanta made some defensive additions. I think they're going to be better. They're going to be a more balanced offense, which is scary to think about how balanced they were last year. Now, if Steven Jackson can even be half as good as Steven Jackson was with the Rams, I think uh, they have a chance to, to be an even more dynamic offense, and they really didn't lose a ton on defense either. Yeah, and I agree with you about the records, too. I mean, there's really no bad teams in the NFC. You could maybe say Arizona. But Arizona is really the only team that I see as being a, an actual bad team. Mm-hmm. All the other teams are, while they might not finish with good records, are going to put up a fight every week, even teams like St. Louis. And a lot of people even have, like, Carolina in their playoffs. So yeah. um, there's really nobody you can count out. So it's going to lead to a lot of 10- and 9-win records and probably some 9-win uh, teams in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. I have Atlanta at 1, and just because I think that they can uh, – you know, win the games in their division, and obviously they've got an easier schedule again. They always seem to get an easy schedule, it seems like. Yeah. But uh, I think that this is probably, you know, with Matt Ryan on offense and a pretty good defense, they just always seem to have it together. Their offensive line is good. Their defensive line is pretty good. I, they just seem so well-balanced and so well-rounded. I don't know if I would take them as a Super Bowl contender just quite yet or a Super Bowl winner potentially, but mm-hmm. I think they're the team that's going to finish with the best record in the NFC here with about 12 wins. So I'll, I'll have Atlanta at one. Okay, um, my number one team, and it's a very fragile number one pick, and I don't want to seem like I'm doing the trendy pick, but I am, and I went over it a bunch, and I just couldn't, this is what I honestly think, I have the Seattle Seahawks as the wow. number one team in the NFC. Uh, they are automatic, as close as you can be to automatic at home, and have been ever since they opened that stadium. And I guess I think that... Of all of the read option teams, and I think the NFL is going to be much more prepared for the read option, they have the best quarterback that can uh, switch to be a traditional quarterback. I think if the read option breaks down, it's going to be a little bit tougher for Kaepernick and RG3. I think Russell Wilson can make that adjustment a little bit better. Um, obviously, they're going to have a problem with, with Percy Harvin. Uh, they, he's kind of banged up again. And also... Marshawn Lynch is going to be 27 this year. He had a ton of carries and a ton of yards last year. A lot of times, as we've seen throughout history, every time a guy gets a huge 1,500-yard season, it seems like he gets hurt by week three the next year. So they're kind of fragile, but that defense was dominant last year. 
Uh, they have a somewhat favorable schedule. They get a lot of their tough games at home. And uh, their road games are at Houston, at Indianapolis, at the Falcons. Those are all indoors, and I think they can win those games. So the toughest games on the schedule are at San Francisco and at Giants back-to-back in December. But I think Seattle could be looking at uh, 11-5, and something around that, and that might be enough for the number one seed in the NFC. Sure, and I can't argue with you there. I mean, I I think that this is a pretty darn good team, and that defense is probably the best in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I think their offense is definitely good enough to, to capitalize on what their defense does, so I, I would not be surprised with that at all. I hope it doesn't happen, though, because, God, I hate those guys after the way they reacted to that stuff last year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I guess I can kind of go where I have them then. Um, I have them making it in as my last wild card spot at the six here. Okay. Um, I still think they're a very good team, obviously. I think... You would think that one of these quarterbacks would probably take a small step back this year. Mm-hmm. And I guess for whatever reason, it seems to me that I feel like Russell Wilson might be the one that does it. Okay. I guess I don't have any real reason for that, but I don't know. I just There was a lot of times last year when he just looked like an average game manager, and then obviously there was games like the uh, the divisional round game where he looked like an elite quarterback. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I guess I just think that they are uh, going to have a little tougher time on offense, but you're right, that defense is great. I wouldn't be surprised if they had the best record, um, but I'll have them coming in at the sixth spot here for me. Yeah, and, and you make some real good points. These quarterbacks, you would think, aren't just going to step in and dominate their whole careers. Yeah. Although we've seen that more now, and, and I kind of was thinking that when assessing these teams, like, geez, they had so many good rookie quarterbacks last year. But if you think about it, Matt Ryan's never slowed down, Aaron Rodgers has never slowed down, and uh, Joe Flacco obviously kind of overperformed in the playoffs, but he's still been pretty much an effective quarterback since day one. And none of these guys that have come into the league or became starters in the last five, six years have regressed at all. They've all been pretty much great since the get-go. And so maybe it's just not that hard to make that transition anymore. Yeah, you obviously didn't see Matt Stafford and Phillip Rivers last year in terms of regressing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, that's a good point. Um, But they weren't in only their second years. I get what you're saying. You hear about the sophomore slump all the time, and it doesn't actually seem to ever happen with quarterbacks. And Matt Stafford sucked when he started, so I think it's a little bit where you could say 2011 is the anomaly where he just had an an amazing season. That happens sometimes. But these other guys were great right from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they're more of those guys, but we'll see. Uh, Philip Rivers, I have no excuse for him. For some reason in my head, he's still like 2007 Philip Rivers, and I keep forgetting <laughs> that he stinks now. Yeah. My number six playoff team is the New Orleans Saints, and I know their their defense is horrible, but I can't imagine they'll be that bad again this year. That offense is still a force to be reckoned with, and more so than anybody else in football, this team, and I hate to be that guy because I put all my faith in stats, but this team is going to be out to look to beat on the whole NFL this year. They feel like they were ripped off. They feel like they had a a Hall of Fame year from a Hall of Fame quarterback mean nothing because of what the NFL did to their coaching staff. Obviously, I felt it was justified, but they don't feel it was justified, and I think they're going to be looking to to come back and... uh, kick some butt and take some names. And I don't think they're good enough to do it to the tune of a one seed, but I think they're good enough to beat out some of the other NFC teams. Alrighty, and I have them at my five. So uh, okay. I, I do have the Saints in here. I think with Sean Payton back, I think they're going to take a big step forward. I mean, that defense was about as bad as you can possibly be last year. Mm-hmm. But I also think their offense might be the best in the NFL when it's running on full cylinders. So, sure. uh, I mean, a ton of weapons. Um, they've got four starting running backs, basically, that all can play, and a ton of receivers. And, and obviously, Drew Brees is, t- you know, 
top five quarterback. So mm-hmm. I I think that they're here at five. I think, like I said, take a big step forward and beat up on some teams. And I, I think this team really scares me in terms of when they get to the playoffs, too. Absolutely. I, I think that they might lose you know, some bad games in the NFC during the regular season, but this offense can, can outduel anybody at any time. So mm-hmm. you get them in the playoffs, and we might see another run from them, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if they're like the Giants. Those are two teams yep. that I was very, granted the Packers didn't capitalize on it, but I was very relieved to not see either of those teams in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that probably won't last long. One or both will probably get in this year, I would think. Yeah. Um, just to put a little bit of a reference on New Orleans, last year they scored 461 points, which is an incredible total. Um, would have been like the highest total ever, or one of the highest totals ever 10 years ago, but now everybody does that. They allowed 454 points. Wow. So they scored 28.8 points per game and gave up 28.4. <laughs> Jeez. That's brutal. But you wouldn't imagine that would carry over... Um, forever um even as bad as their defense was in 2011 they still were down in the high 20s like the packers bad defenses so and now they have rob ryan right so oh yeah you know he's a he's a force to be reckoned with (laughs) but hey even if they can only have an average defense like what he's always had when he's been a defensive coordinator they're still going to be a lot better yeah how the heck did they hire rob ryan so when they went down to Dallas and scored 38 points last year, they're like, "That we gotta have that guy." Have that guy, yeah. I mean, if his name was Rob Stevenson, he'd probably be on the streets right now. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, my number five seed is the San Francisco 49ers. I think they're gonna be really good. They might have tied for the best record in the NFC, but. Seattle's in their same division, so I think they're gonna be a, a number five seed. Uh, still a really good team. Uh, they're a lot like Washington, though, that if the league figures out the read option, they could be in trouble a little bit. Uh, but I don't think it's coming this year. I think next year will be kind of when the read option kind of gets uh, a shot in the face a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I think this year it'll still work and be effective. Yeah, and you can see that if you know if, if there's any of these quarterbacks that once the read option gets adjusted to that could struggle, I think Kaepernick's the guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, clearly the worst passer out of all of those uh, those players. So. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I agree with you here. I mean, I obviously had them at the fourth seed, but I, I think that they're in danger of, of their offense sputtering a little bit here if people figure it out. Yeah, definitely. All right, did you actually go forward and pick your winners? Um, no, we're going to save that for a later show, huh? Okay, <laughs> sure, we can do that, because I kind of am starting to question some of mine, but maybe we'll yeah, do I that next time. Yeah, go through the playoff picks yet. Okay. So there's our preliminary picks for division winners and wildcard teams, but you'll have to wait until next time on the on the recommendation of Matt that we uh, <laughs> will save our playoff picks. And I think that's good because I might need to get the eraser out or the whiteout out uh, because I'm After not... you heard all my wisdom. Yeah, I mean, i got to have Kansas City playing in uh, New Jersey on uh, February 5th or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, so we'll see. Uh, if you uh, if you want to share your own picks, you can go to our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. Uh, you can comment on the podcast right on our Podbean page, which is greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's the number four. That's also our Twitter handle. You can tweet something at us, Green Gold Forever, or you can go look at some select archives of ours, mainly what if segments and whatnot, and some of our very early stuff from last summer is also on YouTube, which is Green Gold Forever. Write us a comment on there, and uh, we'll. We'll share your thoughts on the next show. All right, Matt, so this coming Saturday is going to be Packers Family Night. How pumped are you for that? Oh, not at all. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I went to Family Night a couple of times, and even when I went, I wasn't crazy about it. Obviously, I like the scrimmage part of it. I 
That's not neither of those are words. I like the scrimmage portion of it, um, but there's so much other junk that goes on around it. I know like the kids like it and stuff, but I don't want to see you know people making chalk paintings and stuff. I would if they just focused on the scrimmage part and did a little bit more of that. I would probably love it. I'll probably still sit down and watch it though. Yeah, I, I think I watch it every year. I've been there once, and I kind of agree with you. It's just people smashing them thunder sticks together and whatever, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's just kind of. I don't know, it's cool because it's the first thing of the year. I watch it every year. I cannot remember one thing from any Family Night scrimmage I've ever seen. Yeah. So, whatever. And I certainly, I agree with you. I don't necessarily need to see the powwow and the dance painting and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they always give away some loud things. And the time I went, I went with my late Uncle Marty, and he had the most intelligent quote to describe Family Night, which was, I hate thunder sticks. So, <laughs> I think I share that sentiment. Yeah. And uh, will not spend my money to go to Packers Family Night. Um, also, I guess uh, fantasy football is starting. Maybe we can talk about that next week because we'll have our teams picked uh, probably oh, yeah. by the next time we speak. So um, get ready to uh, lose again to, to me. Yeah, I always do so bad in your league, and you always beat up on me. It's the worst. <laughs> That's because I'm the commissioner, so I just cheat and I change the scores and nobody notices. Oh, okay. No, but yeah, last year I had what fifteen? It's fifteen man roster, and I had, I signed in for my first round playoff game um, like that morning, and I hadn't been paying much attention to the injury report. And nine of my fifteen roster spots were out for the game. I had to start the Tennessee Titans kick returner as my running back. Those are always cozy. That's so fun though when you do that, and then if they end up scoring, it's like the best day ever. Yeah, but I only scored like thirty points the whole week. Oh, uh, okay. But anyways, yeah, I hope it would have been awesome if I'd have won, but, you know. <laughs> All right, I guess uh, that's it for this week. Um, I'm glad people, I guess I'm glad to be back. I hope people will listen and didn't think we did too bad. We did try to prepare. We're just kind of, uh, don't have a lot to talk about, and so we're kind of saying words that aren't words and not <laughs> finding ways to end the podcast. So thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks, and uh, then we'll have some games to talk about. So until then... We'll uh, see you. Enjoy Packers Family Night, your fantasy drafts, and the remainder of summer. Take care, everyone.